chapter 1, verse 18. And if you find that, and you want to stick a finger back in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7. It was in Isaiah Sunday, so if you remember where it was from Sunday, split back to about that same spot, and it'll be close to it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and Isaiah chapter 7. We'll get there in just a minute. Let's pray, and we will jump in. Father God, we come to you, and we thank you for a good night, and we thank you for these words, and I pray, God, that your words will speak, speak to us tonight, and I pray that you just hide me behind the cross, that I do a good job preaching and teaching these words, and God, I pray that in everything we see in these passages tonight, every time we come together, that Jesus is glorified, and I just thank you that we can come here tonight and worship you, and I pray that your Holy Spirit just be with us. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. And so the scene is set for us. Mary and Joseph are engaged to be married, and lo and behold, he finds out that she is pregnant. Now, you could understand how Joseph must have felt. I mean, that would be a, a horrible feeling to know that the woman that you love, that you are going to marry, has been unfaithful to you. At least that's the first thing that would pop into your mind, and I'm sure that's the first thing that popped into Joseph's mind. That's a natural thing, but Joseph was mistaken. His, his initial thoughts, perhaps, as to what had occurred were incorrect. And the Scripture tells us something beautiful, a miracle here, that, that Mary had, had become pregnant by the Holy Spirit, by, by God, not by a human, a human father to this child, but, but God was the father here. And uh, we see a lot about Joseph's character. He was a righteous man. We see that he did not want to disgrace her publicly. Now, in our culture, it's not that big of a deal. If you find out a, a girl is not married and she's going to have a kid and she's been cheating on somebody, we may hear that news and we say, oh, that's horrible. And some people wouldn't even say that. They just say, oh, well, so what? It's common today. It's, it's no big deal today, and that's sad. It's sad that that has become so common to us that people can have children out of wedlock repeatedly and we celebrate it with showers and we just pretend like it's no big deal. But it is a big deal. And it needs to be a bigger deal in our culture. And it was a bigger deal in the culture of the day. This would have been a big deal. This would have been a big mark against Mary that she had been unfaithful, that she had cheated on Joseph. But yet Joseph didn't see this as an opportunity to go and tell everybody, let me tell you about Mary. Can you believe what she did to me? Here we are soon to be married and this is what happened. I come in one day and I find that she is pregnant. But Joseph didn't do that. He, he kept quiet. He didn't want to disgrace Mary. Now that, that says a lot for the character of Joseph here. Let's read a little further in verse 20. 
But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. So whatever Joseph thought had gone on had not gone on. And so an angel appears to, to Joseph and says, hey, look, don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid about this. Mary has not been unfaithful to you, but it is God. It is the Holy Spirit that has brought this about in the life of Mary. Now, in the passage before, we see that Joseph decided to divorce her, but we also saw before that they were engaged. They weren't married. How can you be divorced if you're not married? Well, the, the term divorce in the most general sense, typically when we think of it, we think of people who are married. But in, in, the, in a broader sense, divorce means just to separate from. And so even though they weren't married, they were engaged to be married, uh, when it says Joseph was going to divorce her, it means he was simply going to separate from her. He was going to break off the engagement. But but the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, not so fast. After, after Joseph had considered these things and what had gone on and the fact that Mary was pregnant, the angel comes and says, hold up, don't, don't worry. Everything is okay. Mary has not been unfaithful to you, but she has conceived this child by the Holy Spirit. And so he said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Then in verse 21, it says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, when we see the, the name Jesus in the scripture, that's a Greek word. But the Hebrew word for Jesus is the name Joshua, the same name that we see from the guy in, jo in the book of Joshua that we may be familiar with. We went through the book of Joshua a few years ago. And the name Jesus is the same name as the name Joshua, and in Jewish circles, you perhaps have heard the name Yeshua. Uh, sometimes you hear that name referred to among the Jews. That's the, the Hebrew way to pronounce it. So Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, it's all the same name. Jesus is simply the Greek version of the Hebrew word Joshua. And the angel says to Joseph here, he says she will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save people from their sins. What does the name mean? Names in the Bible had meanings. Now, names today still have meanings, but we probably don't know what those meanings are. I mean, sometimes you see people who go through and are having children, and they, they pick names, and they look at what those names mean, and they, and they name that child that because the name means strength or warrior or strong or whatever it may be. Children are, 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 are usually probably not named in that way today. If you're curious to know what your name means, you can look it up online and find out the answer to that. But in the Bible, it's important for us to realize that many times when we see these names, they were significant because the name meant something. And so when you heard the name, you didn't just hear a name, you heard a meaning. You heard something behind that name, what this person was about. And uh, when we see Jesus mentioned here, Jesus means the Lord saves. That's what the name Joshua means. The Lord saves. Yahweh saves. And so Joseph is to name this child Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. And so Jesus saves. That's what his name means. The Lord saves. What does Jesus save us from? Well, it tells us he saves us from our sins. And so when the angel tells Joseph, this is what you are to name 
your son, it's because it had a meaning. So that when people hear Jesus, they, they, they uh, hopefully will be able to make that connection. He is the one who will save God's people and all the nations. That's what we see uh, throughout the Old Testament a lot is that language about in all the nations, that God wants to bless the nations and save the nations. Now, he does that through his own people and through Jesus here. At the beginning of Matthew, if you go back and read, you see a genealogy. We see genealogies throughout the Bible. What's the significance of those genealogies? To show us how God has been working in his promise throughout the generations, that God has been faithful. Now, in the genealogy in Matthew, it starts in Abraham, but there are other genealogies that start with Adam in, in the Scripture. And these genealogies are to remind the people that God has started a plan and here's how he worked it in Adam. And here's how he worked it in Noah. And here's how he worked it in Abraham. And here's how he worked it in David. And here's how he's working it in Jesus. And so when we see these genealogies, we might be tempted to say, well, there's a bunch of names there I can't read. And what's the purpose of all this? The purpose is to point us to Jesus. That's what the, the genealogies are for, to help us see how God has worked through the generations and kept these bloodlines intact and that's what we see at the beginning of the book and jesus is the fulfillment of 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 god's promise what's the promise that god would save his people how will he save his people he'll save his people through jesus whose very name means yahweh saves the lord saves what does he save us from from our sins verse 22 now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Now, this is an interesting passage. We just saw before this that he was to be named Jesus, whose name means the Lord saves. But then here, a couple of verses down, we see something totally different. There's a prophecy that comes in Isaiah chapter 7. And Matthew references that prophecy here. He says, okay, these things all took place and they are fulfilling a prophecy that Isaiah gave years ago. What's the prophecy? See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel. Well, which one is it? Is, is he to be named Jesus or to be named Emmanuel? The prophet in Isaiah must have gotten it wrong because that was not the name of Jesus. His name was Jesus. So what do we make of this, of this particular passage that, that, that Matthew brings to our attention here? Why was not Jesus named Emmanuel? Well, I believe the reason is what we just talked about. It is the meaning of the name, not so much the name itself. There are lots of names and titles applied to Jesus. The, the Prince of Peace. We see, we see different titles like that that are applied to Jesus. And when we see Emmanuel... We need to not look necessarily at the name, but what does the name mean? What is that name about? What does it say? Well, it tells us here. It means God with us. And so Matthew realized that the coming of Jesus was a fulfillment of the fact that God was with us. So he was named Jesus. That was his, that was his actual name, and it meant the Lord saves but it was a fulfillment of the prophecy. The prophecy that talked about what? The prophecy that talked about God being with his people. So when we see here that this prophecy is mentioned about Emmanuel, we, we don't want to get sidetracked with the name so much as what the name means. What's the purpose? What's the intent? What's the importance of Emmanuel? It means 
God with us. Now, it's important for us to consider another thing. If you want to flip to Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter 7. If we simply read Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which is what we just saw Matthew quote, kind of in a vacuum by itself, we would just apply that to Jesus and say, oh yeah, that's talking about Jesus, if we just flip to Isaiah 7, 14. But what must we always do when we look at Scripture? We must look at the context. Now, when we look at the Old Testament, these are things that were almost always fulfilled in the time period thereabout that they were written. But oftentimes, these prophecies are also applied to Jesus. That is, they are fulfilled in some sense in the Old Testament, but they are fulfilled in a more perfect, fuller sense in the New Testament. These, these things, if you ever study them, are called types. They are a type of what is to come. And so we see all these types, or you may hear people say, types and shadows. That's a, that's a, a language that's easier for us to understand. They were a shadow of what was to come. They're a type of what was to come. But, but, but the fulfillment of that in the New Testament is referred to as an antitype. And Jesus is the antitype for the type that was to come. So these things we see in the Old Testament were a type of Jesus, were a shadow of Jesus. But Jesus is the fulfillment of them. So when we see Isaiah chapter 7, 14, you may have often wondered... Why is Jesus not called Emmanuel? After all, it says in Matthew that he is to be called Emmanuel. But what Matthew says is it's a fulfillment of the prophecy. Now, this prophecy in Isaiah was not just about Jesus. It was applicable to, to what was going on at the time of Isaiah. Now, if you want to go read Isaiah chapter 7, I'd encourage you to do it so you get the whole context. I'll give you the brief rundown. Ahaz who was a king of God's people, was worried about some other kings who were coming against him. He was afraid at what was going to happen. And so he was supposed to pray to God and, and ask for a sign, but he, was, he didn't do it. He was afraid to do it. He refused to do it. And that's what's going on in this passage. And this is where Isaiah gives this word to Ahaz as a word of both of, of reassurance and encouragement and a word of, of warning and preparation of what is to come. But we see in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13, it says this. Isaiah said, Listen, house of David, is it not enough for you to try to, to try the practice, the, excuse me, to try the patience of men? Will you also try the patience of God? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Now, in the verse before, I should have read a little further up in verse 11, it says, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God, from the depths of Sheol to the heights of heaven. But Ahaz, rep Ahaz replied, I will not ask. Okay, so he was supposed to ask God for this sign, but he would not. And therefore, Isaiah says, Listen, will you also try God's patience? And then he says, Therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. Who was he giving this sign to? He was giving this sign to Ahaz so that Ahaz would know what the Lord was going to do, to know that the Lord was there, to know that the Lord was in control. Hey, I'm going to give you this sign. And what was the sign that Ahaz was to look for? The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Now, this was a prophecy about Emmanuel in the time of Ahaz. 
Okay, so there was obviously a child in the time of Ahaz that was named Emmanuel. Now, who is this child? Well, it's really hard to know. Uh, perhaps even still, he really wasn't named Emmanuel. Uh, maybe, the, maybe the application of the name, God with us, is the importance here too. But there was going to be a sign that Ahaz himself was going to see, and that was a child was going to be born. And in verse 15, it says, By the time, that is the child, by the time he learns to reject what is bad and choose what is good, he will be eating butter and honey. For before the boy knows to reject what is bad and choose what is good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. Okay? So this is going to happen in a short amount of time. Sometime while this, this child that's being born is still a child, the Lord is going to, going to work. And what's going to happen? He says, before the child knows to reject bad and choose good, the land of the two kings you dread will be abandoned. There were these two kings that Ahaz dreaded. That was the problem. And God has given him a promise. Look, before this child reaches a certain age, while he's still young, that is in a short period of time, these kings are going to abandon the land. And so this prophecy that Isaiah gave was fulfilled at some point in time in the time of Isaiah. Now, we see Isaiah has a child in the next chapter, and some have suggested that that is the child that's being talked about. There are some strengths and weaknesses as to why that may or may not be true. Some have suggested that it could have been Hezekiah, because he indeed was a good king of the, of the nation of Judah. But it appears as though this, this was written too far after Hezekiah had already been born. So it's really uncertain as to who this child spoken of in Isaiah is. But the point being is that the child was coming some point in time in the life of Ahaz as a sign of encouragement in some sense that these kings would abandon the land, but also as a sign of some judgment that was coming because it says in verse 17, the Lord will bring on you, your people, and the house of your father such a time as has never been since Ephraim separated from Judah. The king of Assyria is coming, okay? So there are hard times coming. So Ahaz feared these two kings. They were going to be taken away by the time this child got to a certain, certain age. But don't, 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 don't rest yet because there's another king coming. The Assyrian king is coming. And so when we see Isaiah 7.14, if we read it by itself, we, we would simply say this is, this is only speaking of Jesus. But in the context of the time, we see that it's speaking of a child that would be born in the time of Ahaz. Now, you may be saying there, so was there another child, another lady other than Mary who conceived by the Holy Spirit? Well, this is where it gets very difficult for us because of the language and the words that are used. The words that, that is used of virgin uh, is also used of young lady, and it can be used in, in different ways applying to women. And so is it possible that this, 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 this child that was born was literally born to a virgin? It is absolutely possible. God can do that. We just saw it in Matthew 1. But it's also possible that the, that, the, that the term that we may translate as virgin may simply be a young lady, a young lady that Ahaz would have known, maybe a young lady that was already present or a pregnant or a young lady that, that Ahaz would see the child born. And when he saw that child born, Ahaz would be able to know this is the sign the Lord was speaking of. And so when we see Isaiah chapter seven fourteen, it speaks of a child being conceived and born of a virgin. And his name will be Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. This, the idea that's in Isaiah is that God 
will be with his people, okay? And so when Matthew brings that back up in Matthew chapter 1, in the passage we just looked at, I believe what Matthew is doing is he is saying, yes, and this prophecy in Isaiah also applies to Jesus. It is applicable in Jesus. It is filled in Jesus in a perfect way because God literally was with us in Jesus. He was with us. It was not just, it was not just symbolic language. It was literally fulfilled. When Jesus came, God was with us. He walked on this planet with us as human beings. He died for us. He was fully human and he was fully God. And so when Matthew says that Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 has been fulfilled in Jesus, I believe he is simply saying he is God with us. This one whom you are to name Jesus, the one who is the savior of the sins, he is God who is with us and he is fulfilling scripture when he comes. And then it closes in verse 24. When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son and he named him Jesus. Now that's pretty impressive that Joseph said okay, which I guess hopefully we do the same thing. If an angel appears to you and says something, you probably would say, hey, whatever you say, man, I'll do it, you know? And so Joseph listened, he got up from sleeping and he did as the angel commanded and he married Mary. And the scripture tells us an important fact, but he did not know her intimately. This birth of Jesus was a miracle. It is clear through scripture. This was a miracle. This was not something between Mary and Joseph. This was something between God and Mary. And it is the Holy Spirit who conceived Mary. And in that conception, Jesus Christ was born. And in that conception, the Savior of the world was born. And in that conception, God was with us. And because Jesus came, God is still with us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these good words. And this is kind of tough sometimes when we look back at all these Old Testament prophecies, trying to make heads or tails of them is sometimes tough. But let us see Jesus in these things because your word points us to Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. God, it points us to Jesus. And Matthew is simply reminding us of that fact. So let us see that when we study your word. Let us not forget that you are with us. And I thank you for Jesus for coming, for being our Savior. And I pray that we remember in the midst of this holiday season and the hustle and the bustle, God, that we don't forget that you are with us. And God, that we don't forget to be with you. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.